0: This is The Future Of, where experts share their vision of the future and how their work is helping shape it for the better.
1: I'm David Blaney. In the past few years, there's been a steady decrease in the percentage of Australians choosing to own their own home and an increase in the percentage of those choosing to rent. Those numbers, coupled with fluctuating property prices, has left the future of home ownership in uncertainty. To discuss this topic further, With me today are two guests, Associate Professor Stephen Rowley, who is the Director of the Australian Housing and Urban Research Institute's Curtin Research Centre, and Dr Amity James, a Senior Lecturer within Curtin University's School of Economics, Finance and Property. Thank you very much both for coming in today.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: Will the... uh, the, the great Australian dream as such was once to own uh, a quarter acre block, I guess, apparently. Um, is this still going to be the dream in the future?
2: Well, I think for young people, the dream is just uh, owning anything. The quarter acre block is is long dead, I believe. But um, for young people, that, that ownership dream is is still there. Because ownership provides a sense of security and well, we've got quite an uncertain labor market now precarious employment people doing perhaps multiple jobs moving forward so actually owning a home gives you some stability in your life so we've done quite a lot of work we've recently published um, a piece of work on the young on the housing aspirations of young Australians uh, and that aspiration to own a home is still very much there the issue of course is being able to afford. Um, home ownership with prices becoming increasingly out of reach because prices have increased much quicker than, than incomes. It's very tough for young people to get into home ownership and, and saving that, that deposit um, is very difficult as well, particularly if you're in an expensive rental market. So it is becoming more and more difficult for young people to, to break into home ownership, but I think the, the desire is still there.
1: And Amity, the, uh, owning a home can also provide you a bit of security uh, later in life as well when you retire.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, older people do have a desire for home ownership. So even perhaps those who are looking at downsizing still want to retain uh, ownership. So if they own their own home and have done for a number of years, what they want to do is to be able to buy um, another property. So if they are looking to, to downsize and that's their, that's their aspiration, one of the things they would like to do is, is own their property. Now, it might not be the quarter acre block, they, um, they are certainly not looking for small houses, though, so the dwelling size will remain um, uh, at least around the three-bedroom mark. Um, so people do, do want to get um, home ownership of a, of, a I guess, a larger property because when we often think of downsizing, we think of people who are moving into much smaller dwellings, perhaps units as well.
2: And ownership's not just about financial gain. People think, um, you know, property and, and housing is all about money, but that's not what motivates people for, for ownership. It is a place to call home. You know, it's a place to, uh, to bring up your children or, or just have pets. And again, it comes back to that security, safety and security. So a, a lot of, sort of psychological drivers of, of home ownership, much more so actually than, than financial. When we talk about financial, that's really uh, one of the main issues why we have an affordability problem when you've got that um, uh, investment demand and that's really sort of pushed up uh, prices. So if you didn't have that layer of investment demand Pushing up demand and so forth, then ownership would be a lot more uh, affordable. And not to mention, with respect to security, it's uh,
1: it's not just as again, it's not just about financial security. It's also um, when you rent a property, you're not afforded the same protections that, of course, you do have if you if you own your own home.
0: Absolutely, yeah, you're you're very right there. Um, you're at the uh, at the whim of the the private rental market, so that you have to sort of um uh, go with the ebbs and flows of the private rental market so people are often forced to move uh, we find private renters are forced to move much more often than homeowners are so we've got um, particularly with the older the older cohort we've got a lot of people who are in the private rental market not by choice um, and they don't they're not afforded that security of tenure so they're um, House prices uh, can increase, so the rents that they're paying can increase, but perhaps not at the same rate um, of the pension that they're receiving.
2: I mean, you mentioned in your introduction that people were choosing to go into private rental market. It's not a choice for many people, it's because they have absolutely no other option. And so when we've asked renters about their motivations, quite often it's like, I had no other option. Public housing, social housing, not available. Private, um, sort of Home ownership is well out of the reach, so the private rental market is the only thing um, that's available. So we definitely need some major reform in that private rental market to to get the sort of conditions that they have in other countries that allow you to to stay there for a longer period of time, have that sort of security uh, and again uh, have a, a, a really sort of sustain, uh, sustainable alternative to home ownership.
1: Mm, because ultimately it's not very, while on the one hand you have a, a degree of flexibility when you're renting because you can choose to move with a much shorter well much e- much easier to move than if you own the house but uh, you also have no no grounds eviction notices for example we're one of the few countries which has
2: this well we're one of the few states now and there is ongoing reform to remove no grounds uh, eviction um, you know, which on the sa- uh, surface sounds you know, like a, a no-brainer, really. Um, but from a landlord's point of view, it does reduce your, your options. So there are two sides to, to private rental reforms, but we certainly haven't got it right at the moment. And certainly the Victorian government has been through um, some significant reforms. WA is going through consultation around private rental reform uh, as well. So I think we will get to a point where the private rental sector is a viable longer-term alternative, but we're quite a, quite a way away from that yet.
1: Housing prices have gone up quite a bit over the over recent years. Can this keep going? Is it going to keep going?
2: Well, um, it's not quite true. Uh, prices haven't risen in Western Australia for about five years now. Um, Other parts of the country, like Sydney, prices have come down for a two year period, but went up very quickly before that and have started to to rise again. So there's a tremendous amount of variation uh, across the country. But the general trend outside Western Australia over the last 10 years has been significant price rises. And as I mentioned before, if prices rise quicker than than income, housing becomes less and less affordable, more and more difficult for people to to get into um, home ownership. so what, what happened in, in Sydney and, and Melbourne in particular, there were changes to um, the rules around lending made it more difficult for people to borrow money. So demand dropped off and prices started to, to fall. Those rules have been relaxed somewhat now. Interest rates have come down even further. So now there's a, a little bit of a rush back into those markets and prices have started going up again in Western Australia. So prices are roughly the same le- level as they were in about 2007, something like that, but have come down significantly since about 2013, 14, no real signs that any uh, major shifts in, in price uh, and that's been a result of a fairly weak um, economy you know, you haven't had that level of, of demand and we built an awful lot of houses in that um, well probably in the 10 years up to about 2016 so we had an awful lot of supply and now demand has um, dropped off so prices have, have come down so it's made the market much more uh, affordable. Um, home ownership has dropped, in
1: the past 20 years, it's dropped by about 4%. Is this that significant of a, of a number?
2: Well, I'll give you some figures because there's a lot of variability around home ownership. You're right, it has trended down over the last um, period. So, home ownership rates are about 80% for, for those over 55. So, very strong ownership rates. So the 20% um, will either be in the private rental market or social housing. And it's about 70% for those in um, the age bracket 45 to uh, 54 but that's fallen by about 10% in the last 25 years so we've seen uh, a big drop in that 45 to 54 category. For those 35 to 44 the ownership rate is about 60% and that's down from 75% in from uh, in 90, 1981 so a big drop there. For 25 to 34 year olds it's fallen from 60% to 45% in the last 20 25 years so we've seen big drops there and if that trend continues there'll be it's probably a less than a third of 25 to 34 year olds that are owning a home by about 2030. So we have seen significant drops, but in that younger age category, it's still high by international st- uh, standards. So in that age bracket, certainly higher than the U.S., uh, for example, similar to, to Canada, and certainly higher than uh, a lot of Europe. So home ownership rents are certainly trending down, but it's still quite high by international standards. But if we do continue in this current trend, um, yeah, the, the situation is going to look completely different in 20 years' time.
1: Why is that? Why is it higher in Australia compared to uh, international peers?
2: Well, I think it's historical. We had a period where, you know, people had fairly cheap access to housing. You know, certainly in the last sort of 30 years that house prices have really taken off in in um, comparison to incomes, and there's always been that sort of culture, a home-owning um, type of culture, whereas other parts of Europe don't don't have that same um, owning culture. They have a, a private rental market that uh, allows for, for longer-term private rental um, tenancies. Um, and, and yeah, I say people expect it. The society expects you to own your home. We've got a whole superannuation system built around owning outright in, in retirement, so, it's very much you know, as it has been, as the parents owned and their parents owned and so forth. So, it's a, a cultural uh, norm.
0: And I think that as it starts to fall, it's not necessarily out of choice. So, as we said earlier, um, there are c- cohorts that are unable to access that home ownership market or indeed falling out of a home ownership as well. So, we've got people who are perhaps um, uh, a couple who are married, family, household, there's a separation. Um, they have to sell the family home, the asset, and as a result of that, they're unable to access home ownership um, uh, from the proceeds of the sale of that home. That means that those two, house, those two new formed households are falling out of home ownership. And often females, who um, quite often also look after the children, are unable to re-enter that home ownership market. So we, we really see that uh, it's trending down, but it's not necessarily by choice either.
2: And it's a really important point. Um, we, we think people get into home ownership and that's it, they stay there forever. That's not the case at all. Uh, we did a bit of re- research on older renters and found uh, probably about two-thirds of older renters, half to two-thirds, had actually been in home ownership, but had fallen out of home ownership and into the private rental market. So just because you get in home ownership doesn't mean that's your tenure for life. There's a lot of churn um, in and out and there's not a tremendous amount of support to keep people in home ownership who have no other options. There's not really a safety net. The private rental market's not not a very good safety net at all. It's very expensive and we don't have much public housing or community housing. So if you lose your home for financial reasons, marriage, breakup, ill health, there's really not not too many options out there so it's a real really big problem for for government moving forward and, and one that requires some significant attention
1: with older australians being pushed onto the private rental market what does this mean for the for the pension system
0: i think in short the pension was never designed to be able to cover for house cover the housing costs of a household so the assumption is that as you enter retirement, you have uh, paid off your home and those costs no longer exist. So the pension just doesn't cover those or doesn't um, enable those people, in older people in the private rental sector to make ends meet. So they might be able to access um, Commonwealth Rent Assistance and that will go towards their rent. Um, but even then, those two payments combined really um, don't make ends meet it's still a
1: it's still a real struggle to to make those weekly payments and it bleeds out your superannuation very a lot faster than it would otherwise
0: absolutely people are people are drawing on their savings for all sorts of things so for if there's a, a health um, scare or there's a, a downturn in people's health we' have seen people be forced out of um, out of their dwellings uh, into sharehouses. So at the age of say 65, 70, moving into a sharehouse because they simply can't afford to pay for their, the rent of their own home anymore.
2: A, a consequence of these declining home ownership rates in the early uh, earlier age groups means there'll be a lot less um, home ownership in in those uh, older groups in sort of 20, 30, 40 years time. So it's a, you know a growing problem. Uh, and so, as I said before, government needs to do something to, or, or the housing system needs to be reshaped. So, there are options for um, the, the quite large proportions of people that will not own into retirement moving forward.
1: And the government is trying to, well, they're certainly trying to intervene uh, to an extent. We've got the superannuation saving, uh, the first home superannuation saving scheme where you can use. Uh, or well, you can add more money to your super, get those tax benefits and use that to save for your first home. Could you tell us more about the First Home Loan Deposit Scheme? This is the new program, which will, I think it guarantees a proportion of your deposit.
0: That's right. This is to come in uh, next year. So um, it, there's, there are eligibility criteria. So those earning under 125000 or couples up to $200,000 uh, can apply to the scheme. Um, In this, under the scheme, the household will have to put forward five percent of the deposit, and the government will guarantee the other fifteen percent, and they won't have to pay mortgage insurance either. But the um, the threshold of the dwellings that they can purchase is around four hundred thousand. So in in Western Australia, sorry, so in Western Australia, you can you can borrow up to four hundred, or purchase a dwelling up to four hundred thousand dollars which really doesn't give you a great deal of choice uh, in the greater Perth area. So you'll, you'll see that just a, a quick look at, at a, um, a real a
2: two th- by one isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think I guess it will depend on where you, where you're purchasing.
2: Um, you get a quite a lot in Perth now for 400,000. It's 700,000 in. It's very much a policy designed for the East Coast. Mm. We've had a similar scheme in Perth for over 20 years. Yes, but uh, uh, keystar which is a 2% deposit requirement, and that's housed tens of thousands of people o- over the years. So there's 10,000 of these first home, and the guarantees available, which is about one in 10 first home buyers would, would get access to it. And so the vast majority will be on the East Coast and it will provide some benefit, but these are people that would have already bought it will probably bring forward their homeowning decision, but I don't think it will help anybody into home ownership that wouldn't already have been able to uh, to make it at some point um, over the next few years. And why is that? Well, people that are able to save for a deposit are the ones that, that are going to make it into home ownership. So you've still got to have a 5% uh, deposit. The 5% of 700000 is still a fair amount. So you've got to have that discipline to be able to save or help have the, the bank of mum and dad to, uh, to help you. Um, so again it's not going to allow people on low income with no capacity to save get into home ownership it will help people on on moderate incomes who have the capacity to save decent incomes get in and and this is all going to be driven by you know, major banks as well so they'll ultimately make the decision on whether somebody can uh, has the capacity to pay back the loan or so forth. So a, a, again, I don't think it's going to make a, a massive difference to first home buyers. You know, everything helps. And, and you know, maybe at the margins, somebody who would have had to wait another five years will, will get in um, earlier, but it's not going to make a massive amount of, uh, of difference.
1: Could this push housing prices up, as some critics have
2: suggested? No. Too small.
1: No, Easy. Is this the, uh, the right way forward, these deposit guaranteeing schemes? Or does the government need to do more to, does there need to be more intervention to, to
2: make housing more affordable? Well, you could argue there needs to be less intervention, particularly on the taxation side of things. Mm. Uh, the problem we have is, of course, it's an attractive investment asset. You have negative gearing, you have capital gains tax discount. So it makes it very attractive for, um, for people to, to invest in property. And of course, once you increase the layer of demand in, in property, that prices go up. So if you didn't have that, if it wasn't such an attractive investment asset, there'd be less demand there. There'd be less competition for um, ownership. Therefore, uh, there would be you know, it'd be easier for first home buyers, and then we've also got an inefficient market with stamp duty and so forth. I meaning people don't want to move; they stay in their house because if you're going to move, it costs you an extra 30, forty thousand makes the market inefficient. So you've got people who are in homes that are perhaps not appropriately sized for them don't want to move out because of the cost. So you don't get that uh, efficient market process. Um, so there are there are a number of things the government could do, but politically, the last thing the government wants to do is is uh, create uh, a policy that's just going to bring down house prices, because all those voters will not, not be uh, particularly uh, happy with um, a government or, or a party that's uh, basing uh, a policy on, on reducing their wealth.
1: As we learned last
2: election. Well, yeah, that did not help Labor uh, at all, um, unfortunately. I mean, the policy was is reasonably sensible. Um, but yeah, I mean, people thought, well, oh, this is going to have an impact, or could have an impact on my my wealth, my well-being. So we're we're not going to vote for Labour.
1: So Amity, it's it's been less a matter of uh, of perhaps not enough intervention, but maybe the wrong kind of intervention.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with that, um, or I I agree completely with it. Um, I guess we also see um, particularly, I I can talk about the downsizing of of older Australians. Um, We see the the treatment of the family home and also things like stamp duty um, stopping people deciding to move, um, perhaps deciding to downsize Um, and then that then affects the flow of properties onto the market. so, uh, yeah, again, um, as just as Stephen said, yeah, it's too much um, too much intervention there.
1: Because if you sell a home, that means that you get means tested out of the age pension a bit. That's right,
0: yes. So particularly for those people who are on a part pension or, or on the borderline, it's going to be a really big part of their decision-making process. Um, and often they decide to stay still because it's just not financially worthwhile. And although that's not the, the primary thing that's driving them, it can be enough to just um, put the brakes on that decision.
1: How are we faring when it comes to social housing? We, uh, we don't do, seem to do as well as countries like England, for example, when it comes to uh, housing stock for people who on,
2: on low income or on benefits. No, we're hopeless. Our, our levels of, um, of public housing, around four and a half percent, five percent, tiny. Um, at, at one point, I think in Scotland, it was a 35, 40, 50%, um, but the UK is, is much, much higher. So we, we have a, a, a dire shortage of, of public and community housing um, in this country. Uh, it means... Um, you do not have that safety net it means people are forced into an expensive private rental market therefore they're forced into you know conditions of of poverty when they're paying so much of their rent in uh, or so much of their income in um, in rent um, so look the government certainly could be directing more funds into delivering more affordable housing products which includes public housing but also subsidized um, rental markets. As, as well. Um, and we don't do very well on, on that. If, if the government wanted um, certainly to ease uh, housing um, affordability crisis, it could intervene a lot more in terms of the direct provision of uh, affordable housing. It could also encourage the private sector through incentives or through, quite frankly, um, taxation of, um, uh, of land value uplift to deliver affordable housing as part of uh, market development. So there are a number of things that could be done, but again, it's very expensive to deliver housing, and that's why state governments have, and certainly the federal government always been reluctant to go on mass, you know, public housing building programs. It's uh, very expensive to not only build, but the maintenance, the running costs are extremely expensive as well going forward.
1: Do you see the uh, the future of home ownership itself changing? Are people going to be living? You, you mentioned that the the you know the acreage is well, that's just not really. Uh, realistic anymore. Are we going to be living in, in smaller houses, more vertical communities, battling with strata, more shared spaces, that sort of thing?
0: I think we will be, but I don't think it will be battling with shared spaces. I think in some parts of the community, there's quite a demand for um, new housing types that we don't potentially, we don't already have um, in, in Western Australia or in Australia, really. People are looking for spaces where they can potentially be closer to the city, which means that the land size that they're going to be on is going to be smaller, but that's not necessarily such a bad thing. People are happy to be in uh, duplexes in, in smaller dwellings because they're going to have access to resources, they're going to have access to public open space and other amenities, which is going to offset the fact that they don't have that larger block uh, for that, um, that, they, that has sort of been demanded in the past
2: it doesn't need to be bad uh, uh, if it's well designed and so forth. People are having living, uh, happy living there, and we've seen a massive change, I think, in the aspirations of, of people. They just want to own something. If it happens to be a small, uh, a smaller dwelling, well so be it and say the the, the shifters move uh, there has been a shift away from you know large sprawling j- dwellings with big backyards towards just something smaller that people can manage but, but ultimately allows them into home ownership um, so we will see and population growth is a key driver of this and a lack of, uh, of land we will see a big change in the patterns of development I mean already in Sydney they build more apartments than they do houses we're sort of 75. 25 here, probably 80, 20. Uh, So we've got a big way to go in in Perth to change our housing um, structure and and to increase housing diversity. But there's a big push from government and from um, the housing sector to change uh, the way that we deliver housing, change the the type of housing. We see uh, Metro Hubs and Metro Net, we'll see more intense development uh, around there. So we will see a shift over time. And I think you'll see in 30, 40 years time, Perth will. a lot of people in Perth will be living rather differently and, and getting used to high density living really quite quite quickly because it's, it's not the, uh, the bad thing everybody makes out unless it's badly designed and, uh, and it's cracking and falling down. I mean, you can get really high quality, medium and high density solutions and that's what we need to be pushing forward uh, uh, in, in Perth and beyond.
0: And I think that um, until the private rental sector really starts to provide a place that people can call a home of their own and provide them with that security, there'll always be that drive for home ownership and that desire or aspiration for home ownership.
1: So it's not so much younger Australians being less interested in owning a home. It's more that they're sort of being pushed out of the market by the, well, just the sheer cost of it. Is this going to continue for, uh, for future generations, for the people
2: who, uh, who are well younger than me, I guess? Um, well, it will if we don't ha- have some major, major changes. So if we carry on as we are, housing will get increasingly expensive because you know, there will still be, we've got population growth, we've got pressures there, you've got a layer of demand from investors, house prices will still continue to go up quicker than income. So it will become more and more difficult for young people to, to get in, into the market. So unless we see a, a major shift in the, you know, the structure of the housing market, things are, are, are only going to get worse. We're not going to see um, you know, major shifts in, in government policy around um, house building, direct provision. We might see a bit of build to rent, so more sort of institutional investment in the rental sector, but it's not going to make a, a massive difference. So, yeah, unless there is a, a really significant shift in the way the housing market works and, and the way that government and industry work, we, we're going to see problems getting um, worse and worse.
1: And do you see any any positive signs for change in the future? Any signs that things will improve, that the right policies will be implemented that the right
2: decisions will be made i think the housing inter- industry gets a tough um, a tough ride really but but they are very cognizant of the issues around housing affordability and and the pressures placed on on young people and old people alike so they want to offer solutions and and they and I, I know people will say well they're interested in the high density stuff because you make more more money out of it and when well, there's a certain amount of that and more yield out of a side. but they are as i say interested in delivering solutions government it depends on the the election cycle. Housing affordability is way up the list of priorities a few years ago. It's dropped off again now because prices came down in Sydney and Melbourne. It will be back on again soon if prices continue to to rise. But but I think once we get a, a, a shift, in the proportion of owners compared to the proportion of renters, suddenly you're going to get um, housing really high on that that political agenda, actually making a shift to try and bring down um, prices. When you've got more voters that live in um, rental accommodation than actually own, it becomes politically prudent to to do something about um, house prices. So I think we will see a a big shift moving forward. But but ultimately, people will change the the way that they live. Young people are already changing the, the way they live. There'll be more shared sort of ownership, so people buying things together more shared spaces um, so you know you might have a large house but it's split up into multiple o- occupation um, you know the market is clever and the market adapts um, certainly the sharing economy will, will come to housing it already has to a certain extent people will get together and, and do developments so yeah people will find a, a a way but the traditional form of ownership i think will look rather different in 50 years time for you know for the people that um you know are born in the next sort of 30 years or so
0: I think we have to be open to this innovation in terms of tenure and diversity of dwelling types. The demand is certainly out there at the moment. People are coming up with new ideas and looking at ways to implement them. So it will, it will definitely change, the, the, uh, the, the scenario will definitely change. Uh, but being open to that innovation, I think, is um, part of seeing that exciting future in.
1: Okay. Well, I think we'll wrap things up there. Thank you very much, Stephen and Amity for joining us and uh, for sharing your knowledge on this topic. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to The Future Of, a podcast powered by Curtin University. If you have any questions about today's topic, get in touch by following the links in our show notes. Bye for now.